0: Hi everyone and welcome to the very first episode of a theatre podcast from a drama school dropout. My name is Ingram Noble and I am a drama school dropout. Today I am joined by one of my best friends, my writing partner and an all-around good egg, Heather Spiden. So Heather and I originally met while we were both in college studying acting, which is why you're all here, you want to hear about acting school life. So Heather, why don't you tell everyone how we actually come to be friends?
1: Oh, I would love to. So it all started in, because I was in second year of college, and we're doing our our Shakespeare show, which we were lucky enough to get Macbeth, uh, and Ingram was asked to come and be... I wasn't
0: asked, I volunteered.
1: Oh, so Ingram volunteered to be the backstage help for Macbeth. Mainly,
0: I only volunteered because I knew I was going to LA in like six months, and needed to get in the lecturer's good books.
1: Oh yeah, because you were going to be taking all that time off which nobody else would get away with, but somehow you managed to.
0: So yeah, we'd done Macbeth, which is a show that's actually quite kept our friendship quite close throughout the years. It sort of always ran back to
1: yeah
0: Macbeth at some point. So I was um, stage manager. Oh, very, sorry. Very he was, posh. I was not he was stage backstage manager. help.
1: He was stage manager. Sorry. I was not <laughs>
0: backstage help. That will that will not be accepted here. Um, that's not what's on a CV. <laughs> yes, it's not what's on my CV. Um, the only job that I had, I had two jobs during Macbeth. Mm-hmm. I had to make sure you were all there at the beginning and yeah. all there at the end.
1: Yeah.
0: And I had to set off the smoke machine in the middle because the way that they did Macbeth, we were, they had rostra and it all worked into a cauldron for the witches to put. Fo- and you know what I'm going to talk about.
1: Oh, I can't so wait. So <laughs> all
0: of the witches came out of this rostra based cauldron. And who are you playing in? macbeth just tell everyone so i was banco oh very good very big part very big part i can beat you later on in the story though with my part in macbeth
1: oh yeah i'm sure you can
0: <laughs> so um it was my job to set the smoke machine off when all of the witches were up on top of the roster which was like two meters high
1: yeah it, was, it wasn't it wasn't a low set of rostra, yeah. Was it? yeah it's was quite a quite a step up
0: um so i was laying under the roster controlling the smoke machine and,
1: and I was laying under the rostro waiting, waiting to, to pop out as yeah. a ghost of Banquo.
0: And another one of our friends was under there with us. And for some reason, Heather was laying just out in the open and very vulnerable for what was about <laughs> to happen. Uh, and I I told her to move in my quietest stage whisper. Um, and Heather, I'm going to let you tell everyone what happened next.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> So, well, we'll set the scene here. We are lying in the bottom of a dark pit, essentially. And the witches are up on top of the rostra doing their thing. You know, yeah, the bubble, only light bubble.
0: under there is the light on the smoke machine button. Yeah,
1: very dark. pitch black. And all of a sudden, one of the witches takes a head first dive into the rostra and pinballs <laughs> down into the middle of the pit, missing me by about, I don't know, what was it? Three centimetres. We'll give her three centimetres. My, my
0: favourite part. And this was also the witch that stabbed Heather in the rehearsals oh, and God, i'm God. currently looking at the scar oh
1: um, um i'll look at so that yeah, scar for the rest of my life this
0: witch was great um but my favorite part of that was all you could hear on the her way down was fuck oh yeah <laughs> oh, no. and we were just like there was nothing we could do um but that was fucking hilarious.
1: It was. And you know what makes it funnier is that was the night we had uh, Youth Shakespeare Scotland. So if anyone knows how a Macbeth production should look, it's a group that specialises in doing Shakespeare. So they were in watching us do our show. We're all excited. right? Let's let's show them what the Glasgow Kelvin kids can do. Yeah, <laughs> because
0: we should also say that our college was in a really rough part of Glasgow.
1: Yeah. Um, we mm-hmm.
0: went outside multiple times and found teeth and thing we th- we found teeth on the floor <laughs> once um it just wasn't a very nice place in general to, no, to call it the people no, it were wasn't. lovely like that we went to college with, well some of them um <laughs> but the lecturers and everything they were all grand yeah and but it, just the general environment of the place wasn't great
1: no no it wasn't um not a safe place for would you say, theatre kids to be walking about either. You get caught yeah. doing jazz hands in yeah. air.
0: Because uh... we got made to do warm-ups outside on the regular. Yeah. On that know, very, that's... like, that glass set, grass set of steps. Yeah,
1: We're just setting us up for all and sorts just of abuse. meanwhile, the chavs
0: are coming around <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are they doing? We're just yeah. in a middle, was definitely a medieval monologue.
1: <laughs> it was character building. Yeah. yeah.
0: So after Macbeth, me and Heather, well, during Macbeth, we became fond friends because we both smoked. hmm um, don't smoke, kids. It's not cool. It's not fun. It's definitely not. And if you're um, going to I mean, be
1: an actor, it's not yeah. going to help your voice.
0: <laughs> so we smoked, and we were one of like there was three of us that smoked.
1: Yeah, we had a little. We had Four. A, we had a small gag. Yeah.
0: Four. So I would just always tag along. I was the little tag along, and me and Heather just got really close throughout mm-hmm. it. And then I'd say the next sort of big thing that we done together was I came to see you in Muddy Cows yeah. by John Godber. Read it. That was a train going by. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I came to see you in Muddy Cows by John Godber, mm-hmm. which was your last show at Kelvin. And then for some reason, I got roped into being stage help this time.
1: He was demoted, which tells you a lot about it. the job he did in Macbeth. No. Bitch. <laughs> i I was great. You were. You um, were good.
0: <laughs> but that was like really cool because we had like a long break in between shows yeah. for that show. Yeah, and we did. We got to know each other like a lot more and it was more just us, us two together. That Mm -hmm. was fun. We got to um, decorate sets and draw all over lockers. That was great. And I also got to be the one that, so Muddy Cows, if you don't know about it, I'll let you explain sort of like a loose plot line.
1: Yeah. So Muddy Cows is about, is it five women? Yeah, I was in it and I can't remember. It's a group of women. We'll see. It's a group of women and they do this sort of amateur, they have this amateur rugby club that they all go to, but obviously there's cuts and things yeah. like that going on, so they're obviously not in a nice. Area. It's very
0: stylized. And...
1: Yeah, and it's just all about the the friendship that these ladies have, the, the sort of the fights they go through, uh, all whilst trying to keep this rugby club going. Which
0: so that was fun, and then I also got to be the person that got to mud you up. Is that how we're gonna say this?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He you I got still, mud us up.
0: I still don't understand what the mud was made of. It was some sort of coffee.
1: It was disgusting.
0: So basically, I just stood at the wings with a bucket of this coffee water concoction that looked like mud. And every time you ran on and ran off, you just had to get progressively more... Dirty. Dirty. So it would literally just be me in the dark. I think I hit someone's eye with mud.
1: Oh, yeah, you were not... You're not shy about chucking the mud. Oh, because it
0: was fun. That was the best part. Oh, of course. But then moving on from Muddy Cows, so you sort of left after Muddy yeah. Cows straight away, and that was I was only I still had I want to say two years to go, so yeah. yeah, you would have left at the end of my mm-hmm. NQ, and I I still don't particularly understand to this day how we still stayed so close, like I genuinely can't remember within those two years, like what happened.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was just a sort of natural thing where we just, we started speaking to each other. Yeah. And then before we knew it, it was, like, it was like speaking to somebody you've known for years and that just carried on. And then we just happened to get keep getting put together in these shows where you were yeah. backstage. And so I think that's how it started.
0: And then two years after you had performed in Macbeth, mm-hmm. it was announced that my class were going to be doing Shakespeare shorts. So we were doing Macbeth, A Midsummer Night's Dream and A Taming of the Shrew. And I, um, this is where I can beat Heather in her casting in Macbeth. I was cast as Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story about the audition day. It was our lecturer, Leah, who I sure won't mind being name dropped, um, was directing us. And I slept in on audition day. I woke up at one minute to nine.
1: And if anybody knows Leah, like we know Leah, don't be late and especially don't be late to an audition.
0: Um, I still managed to get to college For eight minutes past nine.
1: Which is impressive. So I
0: got up, I got dressed, and I got to college in, what, nine minutes? Yeah. Which I'm holding as a personal best. (laughs) So I I go in and I do my audition. And the whole... I know that I fucked it, basically. Like, this whole being late just doesn't stand with Leah. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm going to be the doorknob. Like, that's the best we can hope for now. Like, I've totally fucked it. And I remember... I was either going to play two parts. I knew that I was getting one of two parts had I not been late. I was either going to play Petruchio in Taming of the Shrew or I was going to get Macbeth. And Taming of the Shrew cast gets put out and I'm not Petruchio. So I'm like, fuck, really fucked it. I'm going to be like soldier from the right. (laughs) Um, But luckily enough, I was cast as Macbeth. And I just remember her before she, she got to Macbeth. And because it was a read out in order of appearance. So the witches came first and then she went to Macbeth. And she, I just remember Leah has such an ability to make you shit yourself. Oh, yeah. And she just whipped her head and went, if you are late again, I will take this part off of you faster than you can get into college. Which I thought was quite witty, to be fair. Um, and then I remember you came to see, was it opening night? I feel like you might have came to see my opening night in Macbeth. Yeah, yeah it was. Are we going to tell people what happened while you were at Macbeth?
1: And what happened.
0: So, Heather didn't feel too good. Um, we're not talking about this.
1: because your story. Your story <laughs> to what is happened when, is just an excuse when, to why I left. <laughs> this is real? when we can
0: out it all and finally come clean. <laughs> oh, God. So, Heather didn't feel too good. Is the story... No, you didn't feel too good. Or was yeah. it just that you didn't enjoy the other show, that you couldn't be asked? Or was it a mixture of both of them? Yeah. So Heather didn't feel great, but totally could have sat through the next show. And I remember my lecturer, who was also Heather's lecturer, like two years before, coming down after Macbeth and saying, Heather and Anna have just left. Um, Like they're not staying for taming. And I I knew that she had left. She had texted me right after the show. And I just said, Oh, she shit herself.
1: So <laughs> now to this day, my old lecturer thinks that I shit myself in, in the, the middle, In the middle of the theatre that we've spent so many hours in. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Um, but I want to just backtrack a second just to talking about how we got to know each other. I think one of our main bonding points during Muddy Cows was a certain somebody who had it out for you. <laughs> um, so basically, because it was a show about a rugby team they all had rugby uniforms that were, and because they got mudded up every show, they all had to be washed and dried in between shows, which was another one of my jobs that, you know, everybody got a card for that show apart from me. (laughs) (laughs) Really raging. Um, And I remember, let's call her Anne-Marie. Okay. Anne-Marie came down one day and she couldn't find, was it her shorts?
1: Yeah, yeah, she couldn't find her shorts. So
0: she couldn't find her shorts and she just wanted everyone to stop and stop what they were doing and help her look for these shots. And we were all like, no. Like, they were all in the basket. And I went up and checked mm-hmm. where the dryer and that was.
1: Then enter uh, me with my lunch. Yeah. So I Heather
0: have... and, was it Emma? Yeah. That you came down with. And there was a McDonald's right next to our college. Yes, I know. Uh, such advocates for healthy eating. Um, so Heather and Emma have come in with their McDonald's. And I'll let you tell the rest of the story.
1: So I came in with my McDonald's, was walking across the stage, and Anne Marie, as she is now named. I was like, Who? Because I forgot what we named
0: (laughs) her there, but now I know. Anne Marie. She
1: was sitting up on the seats uh, where the audience would be sat, and she shouted down to me and she said, Do you know, have you got my shorts? And uh, I said, Well, no, I don't have your shorts, of course not. Um,
0: You had your shorts?
1: Yeah, I was like, No, these are mine. And they're obviously mine. I mean, I'm quite a bit taller than her. There was was a difference in those shy.
0: <laughs> sizes, sizes. There's a
1: difference in those sizes, shorts. So I said, "No, no, sorry, I don't have them," and continued walking through to the curtain. And she must have thought that I'd gone backstage, but I'd stopped. I think I stopped to speak to somebody in the curtains. And as I was leaving, I just heard her say, not quite so under her breath, "Don't choke." <laughs> I was like, Excuse and then,
0: me? at the end of the play, Heather has to drink a beer. A beer.
1: Yeah, the last, the very last scene. So is- closing
0: night, Heather drinks the beer, and what does she do? She <laughs> chokes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I just remember sort of during the get out, like just like a snide comment from Anne-Marie, which was like, oh, did she choke?
1: Yeah. So to this day, I think she put a spell on me.
0: Honestly, she had it out for you.
1: I don't know why, because I'm quite delightful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that you are. Um, so let's fast forward now to this time last year Mm -hmm. let's talk about the world's greatest dance teacher oh yeah so my play that is endorsed by the star of the hit reality tv show dance moms and so the stars abby lee miller who i have met countless times i wrote the stage play and i was coming to the cover and didn't know what to do so cue me saying to heather there's another train just gone by don't worry um do you want to be on the cover of The World's Greatest Dance Teacher? And that is available now, link in my Instagram bio. <laughs> um, and I remember saying to Heather, do you want to be on the cover? And I, I think you told me something like, to fuck off?
1: Yeah, because i mean, not by any means a model. I was like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm going on the cover of your play. Find someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Find someone else.
0: But I remember sitting and talking to her, and we this was all pre-COVID and things, and we were trying to figure out how we wanted to do it i was in uni full time at the at that point and i just remember us sitting and phoning like the cover was completely independent it was my own thing and i remember phoning dance studios in glasgow
1: oh yeah i remember and being
0: this. like hi i'm calling on behalf of abby lee miller the the star of uh, the lifetime tv show dance moms Like, trying to get, like...
1: Using that as much as possible.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was trying to get space for free. I wasn't paying for a dance studio. It never actually worked out. And we used a creased-as-fuck photography backdrop that sort of looked like a stage curtain, so it worked. And we spent, like, a night figuring out how to do your makeup. And we got... Yeah. You got ballet shoes for your pretend daughter or something.
1: Oh, my pretend niece. Um...
0: So we had those as a prop, and then we got... And that was sort of... Two weeks before that, that was when we became, like, I'd say, friends' friends. Yeah. It, we'd just been college friends before this. It was very much, oh, if I saw her passing in the street, but I don't think I'm ever going to phone her and be like, do you want to do something tonight? Yeah. But I think when we sort of started doing that, that's when we became more, do you want to come over for a drink tonight? And Yeah. That sort of thing. So then, let's fast forward again from October to february Mm -hmm. so i had a play sitting on my desk that was 30 pages in and it was called at the time no mother of mine it had had like six different titles but no mother of mine was what we what i was sitting on at the time and i remember just looking at it and thinking there's something missing there's just something missing from this and i didn't ever know what i wanted to do with it so i was like Heather, I'm going to ask her to write it with me. So what was like, because I don't think we've ever actually spoke about this, because what was your like initial reaction when I said, do you want to come on and co-write a play with me?
1: Well, I mean, I was excited, definitely. When you asked me, first of all, to be asked. I was like, oh, well, that's really nice.
0: Because I'm such like a, a decorated playwright like, with all my awards.
1: Because <laughs> his talent knows no bounds. Uh, yes. No, so I was excited. But Can you first... say that again? Absolutely not. but <laughs> um, I'll just skip over that part. Actually. That's going
0: on my CV. His <laughs> talent knows no bounds. Oh, and
1: he'll put it on there as well. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I was I was excited, but I was at first I was kind of a bit like, well, not really. I'm not done playwriting so much in a while. I'm not really sure. Like I done a, in uni, I'd done a small sort of module on it, so I was really unsure. And then I thought, you know what? It's no time like the present. Give it a try, see how it goes, and then I think. I think it was after the first sort of couple of scenes we wrote together, I thought, do you know what, this is perfect. Like it's
0: And it sort of all it all happened at the right time.
1: Oh, definitely. Because yeah. like
0: two weeks later we went into lockdown and we had just an abundance of time where we could write and pass things back and forward through email and FaceTime and all that sort of jazz. It, yeah. It happened really at the right time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you asking asking me to do this play it was. It was perfect timing because I think without it, I would have gone even crazier in lockdown. So it's good that in between watching six hours worth of come down with me, I could do a bit of this and I know Honestly, that I, I was doing I'd a bit of something. I come down with me. Yeah,
0: I, I think I'd be great at shit, what I thought. <laughs>
1: um, you wouldn't be good so much at the cooking, maybe, but I think bringing the drama, you'd be. I'd be that perfect. man that
0: would be like at the end, like, well done, Jane. You won.
1: <laughs> what a sad little <laughs> life,
0: Jane. Um, so. The question that I've sorta of not wanted to ask, because okay. like let's face it, I don't really want to know. Am I difficult to work with?
1: No. And can I be honest, that surprised me. Because not in a bad way or anything, but you are like a you are a big, you're a strong I, can I'm a diva. You're a big, guy. You're a big you're, <laughs> are, you, call, are you calling me fat? You're a big guy, you know what I mean? You're a big character, which there's nothing wrong with that. And you're confident in yourself, and yet yeah, you're a diva which, like I said, absolutely nothing wrong with, but I thought maybe, oh, is he going to be like that when we're working together? Was is there it a point be...
0: where you were like, what the fuck have I got myself into?
1: Not so much, but I was a wee bit hesitant, shall we say, <laughs> just in case, I was like, is it going to be a case of these are this is my play to begin with, this is my ideas, I don't like any of your ideas, but it couldn't be That's more the opposite. thing.
0: Like, I've been very self-aware that I'm not writing this myself. Yeah. Um... Like, especially when we move on to talk about something else in a minute that we've been writing. I I find myself writing things and being like, Oh, this is really good and then I I take a step back and I'm like, I've got to remember that this isn't just this isn't just a play by Ingram Noble. So that's something that I've been very self-conscious of, not just trying to because I also think, even though I think something might be finished, I think the first thing that I say to you every time I hand you something is we can totally change it everything yeah can, that's this, true this is going to need to be changed <laughs>
1: yeah there's always a note saying this can be changed but do you know what you've you've done well to be aware of that fact and i think you've made it's been really fair it's been totally equal and we've been honest with each other if we don't like an idea oh right? yeah we'll talk it out there's and... also
0: definitely be times where i'm just like let's just take a break yeah because i'm like i can't be bothered right now <laughs> yeah
1: no oh, of course I think we've both had moments like that, but it's been good. It's been a yeah. a fair process, and I think we've both valued each other as ideas. We've worked together really well, and I think what's what we've written is actually really good.
0: So we wrote the play and finished it, or so we thought. The play is called This Is Where We Get Off by Ingram Noble and Heather Spydon <laughs> That will be available in the coming months. Um, and we sort of took a look back and realised that we'd sort of rushed it a little bit. and Yeah and there was no point in us rushing it because there are no theatres open so we we decided to take that step back and just revise it and do a lot of revisions and a lot of edits and and now we're really at a point where we've probably got another two weeks worth of work to do
1: yeah definitely and i'm so glad we looked back and decided right so we we put it on for sale we sold a few copies and then we thought right let's take it down and work with it further and i think it's the best thing we've done because oh it's gotten so much yeah we when we get to the end of this a couple of weeks or however long it is when we've got the finished play if we other than the cover (laughs) if we look at what we first put out and what we have now the differences even though they're they're slight i think it's made it's made all the difference i guess oh
0: it's mostly just taking out things that were really unnecessary Hi there. We're just taking a quick break right now, but I wanted to talk to you about my new book, An Acting Student's Dictionary. It's the perfect study companion for any acting student, a full A to Z dictionary filled with acting terms and extra chapters at the end with in-depth research, CV examples and essay examples. Last year, while I was studying at uni and throughout my entire time at drama school, I often struggled to find a place where every term and definition that I needed for coursework was going to be. Often Google was wrong and I just had to email my lecturers at three in the morning because I'm a mess and I left my coursework all that late but now i've compiled this perfect book with everything that you could possibly need and i want to share with you a testimonial the acting students dictionary would be a great resource for any further education performing arts student it provides information that is particularly relevant to nq and hnd acting and musical theater courses now that was said to me by my lovely lecturer mary watt who is the head of acting and musical theater at glasgow kelvin college if you're interested you can look up now and purchase the Acting Students Dictionary at www.theactingstudentsdictionary.bigcartel.com
1: Should we, should we talk about the cover? And we're we're in a bit of a
0: so <laughs> oh, the cover. cover <laughs> um, about three weeks ago, we did a socially distanced photo shoot. So we put adverts up on facebook marketplace there are four five characters in the play but there's six characters in the play but there's four on the cover so we had our friend robert come and play yeah. phil then we had heather play rhonda on the cover and we had our good friend jack Mare come and play lip who's done a lot of the readings as well well robert has as well yeah. done a lot of the uh, developmental readings during lockdown
1: can i just say after me deciding finally to be on the cover of the World's Greatest Dance Teacher, we decided that I should be on all covers.
0: From now on. (laughs) Heather is going to be on every single play.
1: Turns out I was a model (laughs) this whole time.
0: (laughs) So um, then we we struggled to find someone for this last character that we had on. Yeah. And um, we got basically a reply off of somebody that sort of fit the bill really well, age-wise, and had the ability to look a bit scummier.
1: Yeah, like no offence to her, we scummed her up, we scummed Um, her up. We we done it all. Um, But yeah, she was just perfect, she really was, like, when I looked at her, I thought, bam, that's her character.
0: Basically what we wanted to do, was just have everyone there on the same day, with marks, so they'd still be socially distant, and things like that. So they would still be socially distant, but we would just take the pictures, and then superimpose them on top of each other. But the way that it worked out, was that this lady, couldn't actually make it, on our original shoot day. So we were like, yeah, this is cool. Just come on the day that you can. So we done it all. And then the moment we left, she left, me and Heather were in your back garden mm-hmm. having a cigarette. And I looked over the fence and saw like the most perfect aesthetic for what we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, the most perfect brick wall. <laughs> yeah.
0: So now we've got three pictures, four pictures on the front cover. Three of them have one wall, and two of them have, and one of the other one has a completely different wall.
1: and i can't get over it and we can't bring her she lives quite far away we can't bring her back to do the shoot again
0: and obviously and the weather it was, yeah it was not sunny that day
1: so if we were to take the picture now the lighting would be different yeah we live in so,
0: scotland we're not getting any sun yeah, now until next so, april
1: and it's a shame because all of the pictures are so perfect like i think they're great and even the one of everything. her is yeah, great it's, it's, it's just the background but her background's different and i can't get over it especially because there's four people on the cover, so it's like one wall, one wall, one wall, then her wall. Random. It's just that one wall and then there's nothing we can do about it. But it's should so...
0: we maybe move on from something talking about something that the listeners can't even see? Yeah, it's probably <laughs> a good idea. So um at the end, when we sort of come to the end of writing the play, I had another idea. He's full of them. Um yes, marvellous as I am. Um this play is really like could be translated for the screen and stage. Yeah. So we're currently now looking at my um sofa, with that is filled with flashcards. Each portion represents a new episode, and we're currently writing a screenplay. And have I been as easy to work with writing the screenplay as I have been writing the play? Because I think I've been more difficult to work with. I think I've been slightly more demanding.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But I think I've been more difficult to work with as well because I've been quite stubborn. And I think it just comes from... I wasn't
0: going to say anything, but you (laughs) definitely have been. You just say
1: it. It's okay. But it's because a screenplay is so different to... For you know, if we're writing for stage, and I think a lot of we got trapped in the same habits before, and we but need we, to educate ourselves on really how mm-hmm. you should format a screenplay, how it should be written, and I think that's just now that we've gone and done the research, I think the process will be so but much easier. But we
0: also have completely different working styles. Yeah, I'm very much a rather I'd rather write the whole series and then go back and fix everything, mm-hmm. whereas you're a more let's learn how to do it first, and yeah. then go on and write it. Yeah. Whereas I just I think, think we have two different sort of approaches but they work really well together. See once we get on the same page mm-hmm. we work really well together I would say.
1: Yeah. And it's good to, I think we use a bit of both of our working styles. We sort yeah. of mash them together in a sense. So there's, we take out things that you do and we use that and then way I work and we use a bit of that so it's finding that middle ground which we've actually been good at doing yeah
0: I think the hardest thing to sort of talk that we've had to deal with is that a lot of our communication at the moment is over text and email and comments yeah and we can't really convey how we're feeling just in words like you can't get like if I say oh this isn't that good like even though I might be saying oh we can use it and still work on it but it might just come across as this is shit yeah. Like, there's no there's no emotion behind just reading words on a screen. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so you'll be able to hopefully see that. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that something will get done with it by the end of 2021, I'm going to say. Oh, we'll see. Obviously, my original concept for this podcast was going to be talking about how we as actors keep the lights on, because, obviously, you don't just graduate from drama school and walk into a massive massively paid role or well maybe sometimes people do mm-hmm. but normally the acting jobs are very few and far between so what i wanted to sort of do is talk about all the different sort of things that we've done to sort of pay the bills and keep the lights on because you've been living independently from your parents for what Five since years. you were 16
1: something like that yeah so i moved to glasgow from sky when I was, I was 17
0: yeah 17 so you've really been independent of your parents and had to find a way to keep the lights on yeah. especially while you're studying and acting jobs are so few few and far between so what sort of like without going into massive detail like we don't want your life story love, but <laughs> um what sort of jobs have you done since like so to keep the lights on
1: i've done a bit of done a bit of retail done a bit of hospitality see hospitality was my first job when i was 14 yeah. so i found it quite so easy. also
0: like you're you're in two industry because you're currently in working in hospitality yeah so you're total two industries that you sort of rely on are just completely down the gutter at the moment because there's no there's no arts unless you can get yourself on tv and there's no hospitality especially in the central belt of scotland at the moment
1: yeah so i'm one of the thousands and thousands of people that have been furloughed yeah uh, which is ending this month i think we're all shitting ourselves at that so so i don't know what's gonna happen it's kind of just a it's a scary time for everyone
0: so, like personally, um, my ways to keep the lights on, I, I've done a few things, different things. Um, currently during the pandemic, I've been selling personalized cards that I draw on my iPad and then print, like birthday cards. I, I write plays. Uh, there's loads of different things. I worked at Christmas markets. Uh, but mostly, like, I rely on like my parents and other just like little side incomes that are like crazy. So, when I say the word retrain, mm. what does that mean to you? And are you going to do
1: it? Oh, retrain. Is that the Chancellor's <sighs> controversial Mr. advice? Mr Sunak. Oh, it's controversial advice to musicians and people in the arts. Well, first of Prick. all, I think, I think that's a massive slap in the face to not only oh, 100%. actors, musicians, but the whole scope of the field. I think that's such a scapegoat answer. Yeah. To say, rather than we're going to, you know, we're going to provide things to help you, they're gonna make sure that you're supported. They just say, "I'll tell you what, find another job."
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the grand scope of things, as soon as we went into lockdown, everyone in the country just turned to something that involved the arts, Netflix, Disney Plus, just TV, music, books. That's all like just within the scope of it, and sort of there's definitely it's it's been disheartening as well to sort of be like,
1: oh, definitely, it's it's. Pretty much, well, I would, I would say it's pretty much the government saying, well, we don't care. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's e- it's just easier to say, well, just get yourself another job. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy to get another job because people who not. are already in those jobs are struggling to get yeah. other jobs. But when you ask me, will I retrain? So, it
0: back? yeah, I was just going to say, just before we started recording here, uh, we were sort of talking about how we wanted to do this section, and you said that you weren't sure if you wanted to continue with acting obviously we've still got our little writing projects on at the moment but I think that's really sad if if you chose not to continue on this path like is that sort of because of the pandemic or why you tell me why like sort of why is that because you know that you're talented and
1: yeah and don't get me wrong I loved it I loved everything we did in college and uni and I think moving away from home and doing an acting course built me up in so many ways and I'll never ever regret that but I have sort of taken a look back recently and thought is this what I want to do and I think the pandemic's definitely maybe made it worse in the sense that I feel I think everyone's feeling low and maybe having doubts yeah, so, but I think it mostly has started I've had a, a strange couple of years uh, when my last year of uni i put my back out really bad, Uh, I actually just got surgery uh, a month ago to get that fixed, which is absolutely great, so even in this pandemic, I managed to get that fixed, that's maybe the one good thing that's come back, come out, the one good thing that's come out of this, is uh, getting that fixed, but I think that's where it started, is not being able to uh, be in the performances, and having Mm -hmm. to watch everyone else do the parts that maybe I wanted to do, and I think that started me in a sort of downward spiral,
0: but... As well, what I'm going to say is obviously this podcast called Drama School Dropout. I was in uni last year and it sort of uni. the step up from college to uni was massive and I didn't expect it. And it took a massive toll on my mental health and I really struggled. And I was in that same place that I remember going back after the Christmas break and talking to my lecturer. And I actually said, like, I joke a lot about having a mental breakdown, but I think I'm actually having one and at that time I really felt like I could never get on a stage again like quite happily like I could just never and I'm sure that that might be yeah no that's
1: that I relate to that a lot that's exactly what it was so after going through all of that and then um dropping out right at the very end not quite finishing my honours yeah um, because I was feeling down I, I was in pain I think I just gave up and then a bit of time passed after that and I've thought to myself i've not been on a stage for so long i've not done anything creative and as time went on i doubted myself more and more and more and my confidence that i've spent three four years building up Mm -hmm. doing these courses slowly started to dwindle away and so it is is a shame and i'm not saying that i'll never do acting Mm -hmm. again because i really hope that i can go back to it but just as i feel right now it's it's a hard one
0: one of the things that i will say to you is though um it sounds like we've been in very similar positions, especially yeah. like the, the way you're feeling now and the way that I felt when I first came out of uni. And then I booked a job to do a radio drama, and there's something just all about being on a professional gig where it's not college. It's not there's, there's no major repercussions if I fuck it up.
1: Yeah,
0: like if I'm in a college, if I'm in a show in college like Macbeth, there's a major repercussion if I fuck up. I fail the assessment. Yeah. But when you're on a paid professional gig, there's no, and it, it feels like, remember how when you first went to college and there was no, like, there was no sort of, like, guidelines or there was, you could just go up there and as long as you didn't feel like a total dick at the end of it. Yeah. And that's sort of what it was like on being on a paid professional gig. it it really does feel like you're coming into it brand new again and it sort of revitalizes it instead of spending day after day after day like we do in college because you spend a lot of time on yeah projects and things so i, I really do hope that you reconsider that was heather's phone vibrating because she's <laughs> so good so Sorry, professional I did,
1: I did have it turned on <laughs> i was just checking a message
0: <laughs> but really like from the bottom of my heart like this is not me blowing smoke up your ass or anything. Like, I really do hope you reconsider this and maybe look for other stuff because I I really do think you're too talented to sort of throw it all the way. Go on, cry, cry. Oh, God.
1: But no, I think just uh, relating this back to what we were talking about before, about the retrain thing and about people in the arts, it's hard to see for me already who was feeling a bit down about Mm -hmm. it and doubting myself, even more so now when I think they're just trying to throw the arts away it's another slap in the face yeah so it's like a double whammy and it's like well i was kind of on the fence do i have the confidence to do this even more so now what's the point in going Mm -hmm. and trying to get something when they're taking it all away and i imagine it's even harder for those already after spending so much time trying to find a job in this Mm -hmm. area because we all know how competitive it is there's so few and far between the jobs
0: So, Heather, thank you very, very much for being my first guest on a theatre podcast from a drama school dropout.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's actually been a lot of fun.
0: Thank you. And uh, just let everybody know, where can we find you on social media?
1: So you can follow my Instagram. My name is at Hev Spiden. That's S-B-I-D-E-N.
0: Nobody cares that much. But
1: everybody asks, so there (laughs) we go.
0: (laughs) And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ingram Noble
1: although nobody cares
0: yes they do (laughs) and if you like this podcast please feel free to subscribe and leave us a little bit of a rating down below it would be very much appreciated and if you fancy we'll be back next week with another guest thanks for listening